0: So yeah, we've been uh, talking for the past five or six weeks in Ephesians, and there's this theme that seems to be played out through the entire book, and the theme, kind of this underlying teaching, is Paul teaching us, reminding us, encouraging us to live the lives that we were built to live. All right, that each and every one of us here, there was a time, and it was probably before time, that we were knit together by God. All right, can you imagine that? I, I always ask people, think about that. That's something to consider, that that actually was something that happened in the history of humanity. That there was a time, and again, if you can imagine it, and you probably can't, I don't think any human being can, Before God invented time, if you can imagine that, that, sometimes that's one of those things that kind of blows our minds more than anything, is what would it be like to be timeless? And we'll know what that's like in heaven. Like, time won't be a factor. There won't be the hourly, you know, 24-hour cycle, but before time, can you imagine what it was like when you or your spouse, or your children, or your parents were knit together by God, right? Where he knew you personally, and he knew, I'm building you specifically, I'm building you to live a certain way, I'm building you to run better on certain things than on other things, like, like sin, we weren't built to live in sin, right? Nobody was, I mean, that's the... That's the issue with sin. We weren't built to live that way. But there were ways, and and we see the first few chapters um, where Paul writes, and he reminds us, the primary thing we were built for is to praise and glorify God. Mm -hmm. That was the number one, that that was it. That was what was really demanded of us is that to run on all cylinders, was to first and foremost praise and glorify God and to know, which Sean and Michaela shared, to know the love that surpasses knowledge, right? And in that, in those three chapters, essentially Paul says when we get that, when we're living that way, not like it's like a end point, it's not like a destination, right? Like I have it, so therefore I don't have to worry about it. But when that's the rhythm of our life, when that's the fabric of our life, then from that point on, everything else that's asked of us, it really becomes like, this is a no-brainer. Like, of course, because we're praising God, we're glorifying God, we know this love and we're living in it and we're sharing it, and everything else after that becomes like, wow, well, of course. Of course. And so, last week we looked in Ephesians 5, right at the beginning, and remember he says, be Imitators of God. Talk to me a little bit about what goes through your mind when you hear that. Be imitators of God. Imitate what? Right? I think of like the places. Sorry. In, that's all right. you just don't want me. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Um, no, I think of the places in um, Isaiah and in Jeremiah where the people of God are not doing what God asked them to do. And he, he tells them, he's like, you know,
1: walk humbly, pursue justice and righteousness. And I just think we conduct ourselves
0: the way that if Jesus were here, we would do exactly what he does. Right. OK. So really important point, what Sean just said in a weird way, even in in the circle of Christianity. Uh, what what Sean said is, is, well, we would do what Jesus did. But Ephesians 5 says be imitators of God. And we get into this weird thing of going, hold on a minute, but you have God and you have Jesus, and we talk about the Holy Spirit, and we forget that that's one. Mm -hmm. He's one. That's the same, right? And it's so important to think that way, because even in Christianity, we start getting into the theology of going, hold on, do I pray to God or do I pray to Jesus? It's one, right? So that sums it up for us today, really. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to imitate God, Jesus... Was the visible fullness of God right here. And so I want to imitate him. Okay? So what else? Some of you had some hands up. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of a bunch of people following a figure draped light over a bunch of clouds. Over a figure of what? A like, uh, figure draped in like white robes and light, and they were just following him doing exactly what the, he did. Right. Which is really Interesting because you know in Hebrews twelve it kind of describes that right. It fix our eyes on Jesus, the Author and perfecter of our faith. So it's that idea of fixing our eyes on Jesus and just like okay, whatever you want me to do, that's I see you do it and that's what I'll do, right? Any other thoughts that you have? Yeah. Well, I, I do that
1: little separation thing in my head. So I'm, you
0: know, my like, God, i like, how do I imitate
2: God? Is that even possible? Right. You know, like to imitate God. Right. That's the first thing
0: in my head. Yeah. Sure, it's daunting, isn't it? You're like, well, okay, you mean the creator of everything. He spoke and creation happened, all right? And so there is that, part of talking through this is because it's that idea of, it's not just a, you know, sometimes we think we need to bring, like, sin into the light, but we need to bring everything into the light. Like, our thought, have you ever noticed that before? Like, you have... Your, your mind, my mind gets this way where you get like all clogged up in your brain. And it's like the minute you start sharing that with somebody, they're like, oh, okay, I'm kind of working through this. Um, and so certainly we wouldn't be called. You know, even Joe, as you say that, we're probably all thinking, well, okay, well, certainly his expectation isn't that we become creators of things. Like, like I have to aspire to speak something into existence, right? <laughs> But, but, but we do get hung up here like, hold on a minute. God was like perfectly holy. He was killing people when they didn't do what, what he wanted them to do. Right. We, we're going, Huh? that's not too bad. Right. <laughs> I kind of like that. But no. So there's an aspect that we understand. OK, he's not calling us to this aspect. But and so that's really important because we can kind of get kind of caught up because it's very overwhelming that statement. Any other thoughts that you have? Yeah.
3: I was just thinking how he, he just, he is who he is. Right. No matter what, no matter before he created all this, no matter yeah. um, after, yeah. no matter when people are following him, Same. praising him, loving him, that he is who he is and nothing affects who he is. Yeah. He, you know, yeah. just that he's is always goodness and loving and um, and what he needs to be for people no matter how they respond yes. and how I guess then to imitate that I just think about how I need to focus on him more and then go through this life not as affected in that negative humanistic way by the way people respond yes. to me, the way people might treat me, the way things are when they're good, the way—just th- yeah. to be more steadfast and full of goodness and righteousness, yes. no matter what's happening, mm-hmm. because my eyes are on Him, and I'm right. right, just—I feel so affected, right. and He's He's affected, like He has feelings, right. and we see in the scriptures. But he's still who he is. That right. doesn't change. And I, yes. I love that. And yeah. I just feel the need to be to imitate, right. even just getting that in my
0: head more. The consistency, the steadfastness, the ability to be personally involved, but not affected with how we respond. Right. right. Okay. It's, it's that idea. And, and so you think of these things going, okay, wow, I get this. So he's told us at the beginning, he says, be imitators of God. All right. Then he said, have no hint of sexual morality, no impurity, coarse joking. We talked about all of that greed. We talked about that last week, which is which may plague us on a deeper level. I think you have sexual morality and impurity. And then there's these deep roots of greed, which is like I feel for me, which is is this idea of never being content with anything. Like always needing something else, always needing the next best thing or more clothes, more cars, more homes, more things in our homes, more or better things. And we get this, but, you know, n- then we're going to go and upgrade in a couple of years. We're going to get that instead of this contentment of going, man, we are good with what God has given us. Um, and in fact, the imitation of God is as you see God as as this generous giver. You know, what does he give us? He gives us life, right? And he gives us salvation. He, he's a giver. And so you think of, okay, am I going to imitate him? Then it's not just about even being content with what I have now, but it's the idea of how generous am I as well. All right, so there's a whole lot to that, okay? And he took us through that. And then we see right here, um, it, it's interesting. We're going to read a section, Ephesians 5.21. We're going to start out. Uh, I I want you to to hear this, okay, of just just listen as we read, uh, and and take note of what, what is coming to mind as you hear these words. So Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the Stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and he cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Um, There are a few troubling things about this passage for us today. The first one, I'm not sure if you've thought of even, okay? The first one that's a little bit troubling is, is a single man wrote this, wow. I, I, and I'm saying that for a very specific reason, is in our church culture, we have kind of three groups in our church culture. We have married people, we have kids, and we have singles, All right, and the married people know everything, right? And if you're single, you should aspire to be married, because then when you get married, then you'll be on the top of the food chain, right? Right? Don't we don't we do that though? I mean, seriously, do we do that? Do we do? Here's the here's how we know that is around our nation, even. Most singles ministries are led by who? Married Married people. Are there any married ministries led by single people? Not that I've ever heard of. All right. Except here's the interesting thing. Paul is saying this. Husbands, I've got something to say to you. All right. Could you imagine a husband going, dude, I'm not hearing you, man. Like you've never been where I am. You can't possibly know what I know. And, and wives, could you imagine Paul going, wives, I've got something to say to you too, all right? And why I say that is because hopefully right here when we read this, our culture can repent where it needs repentance, Amen. okay? Because here's the truth of the matter is, is because you're, I think there's this picture that gets painted as well that you just really can't be happy till you're married. Like you really can't be like you're just going to be unfulfilled until you're married, because when you get married, then we'll take you seriously. Right. We have to understand something in Paul's world, in his in the church he's talking to. That would be an entirely foreign concept. All right. Paul and Jesus, I don't know if we would know what to do with them in our church. Would Paul, I mean, would you be okay with Paul leading the married ministry? Savannah's like, heck yeah, of course. (laughs) I'm down with that, right? But think about it. We're going, well, man, what we know of Paul now we may be. But what if back then? I wonder if in our family groups, that's where we need to start changing, okay? I wonder if the married couples in our family groups we need to start maybe, could you imagine getting advice from the singles in your family group? Like, really, when was the last time that happened? Like, you went and said, hey, I, I need help with my marriage. All right, Because here's what's interesting, what, what I've learned. I've been single and I've been married. I'm married currently, I think. <laughs> Are we good still? No? Okay. <laughs> but the thing is, 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 here's what's interesting, is that whenever me and Abby have marriage problems, You know what the real problem is? It's me and Jesus. Like, that's what I need help with. All right? I don't necessarily need somebody that has walked the same path as me. All right? And so I wonder if that may be the takeaway. I'm talking maybe way too much on this one weird little thing, but I wonder if this needs to be something we change. Okay? In our family groups, okay? It's that little organic change of. Even thinking like, wow, I don't want to talk about my marriage because there's single people here. I'm like, no, no, there's brothers and sisters here that have the Holy Spirit. Right. And maybe we should hear from them about marriage. All right. And maybe we need to stop making marriage into something that you're not really going to be happy till you get there. Right. Okay, because I know it just in campus ministry, that's the push. It's like, oh, man, there's a certain time if I'm not married by this time, my life must be unfulfilled. Okay. And I'm just saying, I mean, I'm just throwing this out to you guys. I feel like we need to talk about this more. I really do. Out of everything we read right here, I feel like that needs to be talked about more than anything. Is this idea of a single guy writing what he just wrote? And maybe we need to change and be maybe humble and more family-like, right, in that, in that area. So, okay, that's enough. We're going to move on. Plenty to talk about there. But then he says this, and I want us to talk about this a little bit, okay? This isn't one of those kinds, I think too often it's easy, we preach certain things, but he says this, he writes, okay, wives submit to your husbands, okay? This is obviously like one of those passages either either in our culture never gets talked about, or we talk about it and then we try to like make it, palatable like I feel like I should tell a story about what this really means so everyone feels okay but what I would love to have some discussion on is is what do you think of and I don't mean a right interpretation of it but when you hear that passage read wives submit to your husband what comes in your mind I'm talking about good bad ugly what comes into your mind at that point because we're all influence culturally on this? What comes into your mind? Murphy, I can tell by your face. Yeah. What's going on in your mind? You can say it. It's a safe place, except for, you know, we're being streamed live to millions of people right now. <laughs> All over the world. <laughs> yeah, say it in the microphone. Okay, but you don't know, but here's the deal. Okay, I want to stop right there because what's really important is is we hear it, you know how we talk about filters, like reading the Bible through a filter? Isn't that for us as Americans, isn't that the filter though? Yeah. Because we read that and we think automatically uh, uh, Ward and June Cleaver, do you guys know who they are? Have you met the Cleavers before? <laughs> you need to go to Netflix and watch Leave It to Beaver. Okay, it's from the 1950s. It's the best show ever made. But June Cleaver, what it's right, what you're talking about, right? And and that's what Murphy is going. Hold up a minute. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Well, you're kind of like, eh, it'd be okay with me, uh. all right? But oftentimes we think, hold on a minute. That's subservient. That's like we're there's this filter. What else do you think of? What what else comes to mind?
1: My first thought is of like I'm a chismo husband, like this guy who's like really. Like, overbearing and like, I'm the man, and yeah, and you, right. you do what I run this family, and everybody the kids and the wife, everybody does what I say.
0: Yeah.
3: Because I'm, I'm the king of this castle. Kind of
0: sure. Thing. Sure. You have this that idea. That's perfect. Kara. I just think,
3: I mean, it even says in that one verse, I mean, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And I, I think it's so much of like, within your walk with God, it, of course, there's continual submission to Him. And if that's your habit with him, if that's your lifestyle, if that's what you do is you submit to God and give over your life. You've given over your own wishes, desires, things like that. It's not like you're not you and your person, but you're his, you're mm-hmm. Like It's the same sort right. of concept. It's like the same idea then of like, okay, if, it's, if I do this with God, that's what I then do with my husband and stuff. So right. Right. you should already be.
0: Yeah. So maybe there's a couple of things to think about here is number one, it really matters who you marry, doesn't it? I mean, really, because what Ben described as the worst case scenario is could you imagine being a Christian and going, OK, I need I'm told to submit to my husband. But I chose a man who doesn't respect me at all and just orders me around. Doesn't that give us pause? I mean, right there is a great little dating principle is careful. Who you date because there isn't like gray area. He's not going, oh, because it turned out you dated a Neanderthal. (laughs) Then all of a sudden you don't have to do this. Right. Going, no, actually, it's commanded. There's no if then. So this is an important dating principle. Okay, Um, what else comes to mind when you hear that? Yes.
3: to show that I'm
0: submitting to you like I would submit to God. Right, so you're, she's giving everything away. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel good about that or bad about that? Bad about that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, a lot of times when we read this, we think, wow, this is, it's stirring up bad things in me. Right? What else do you think of? Yeah? I think of something that's so radically different from the,
3: just the, I mean, society, but in the marriages that I see um, on a daily basis... You know, with my parents or my brother and his wife or even the yeah. couples that I work with, seeing their relationships, it's more of two people trying to function as one unit rather than yeah. one flesh.
0: Right. Isn't that interesting? That's really well put. You know, it's it's this idea of, um, uh, of you kind of have to see it, right? I mean, you, we do need to see it happening in an unweird way, right, to be able to go, wow, okay, there there's a difference. I, I see that happening. I see that in... In practice, let me ask you: This is wives. When you read this, does this make you feel like there's? It's a competency issue. Like when when God determined this order, is it because He's saying men are more competent than women? Husbands are more competent than women. Is that what He's saying? Right? Alex was like, "Don't look at me that way." Okay, right? Why am I bringing that up is not to answer it. Maybe I'm thankfully jumping in front of anybody that was going to answer that. But this isn't this has nothing to do with competency in any way, shape or form. Okay, this is this is different. This isn't like at work when maybe the guy who is your boss has to have some competency. And then there's the people that have to be subject to him. This is not about competency. All right. That's that's important to know, because sometimes we can even hear that and go, why is he better than me? Is he more competent? So so every man in here, you, you are more competent than your wives in the Bible and in every way and, and in an in intellect. And it no, that that's really not true. All right. But he's saying something else, I think. But but we've got to kind of talk and discuss this to figure out. Hold on a minute. Thank God he's not talking about competency. He's not saying that men are more competent than women.
2: I think, in some ways, at least in our dynamic, I think that um, it's almost like a Murphy's Law type of situation. You know, like don't ever share a foxhole with somebody that's braver than you are. You know, and I think that in a lot of ways, like my wife is more competent than me. And so, in a way, if she didn't like, let me lead in certain situations, you know, I, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Well, I'm the weakest link. And so, like, I kind of need to have that, that that you know, her pause a little bit to help mm-hmm. me to come up to her competency level. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So that we don't outrun me. Yeah, and could be. So, I mean, yeah.
0: And it isn't always. And here's one of the things, because I think this is what we wrestle with back and forth, yeah. is let me go from Maybe and this is kind of what even happens as we preach this, and you've heard this probably before too, is let's go so far away from what the context of the passage is that we as, as men can almost fall on our own sword and go, no, I'm the most incompetent person in the world. In my marriage, I'm totally incompetent compared to my, but the truth is, is you aren't. Yeah. And, and Ben's not incompetent, but Sarah's not incompetent either. Okay, is that we both have competency in different spheres of influence and different levels and what he's saying here it's actually very interesting is is we haven't talked about verse 21 when he said be subject to one another like that's the starting point is that we would be subject to one another submissive and if there's one thing that may free us up more than anything is submission it's like learning submission all right and he says be subject to one another that means there are certain instances when we don't need to have our way. Wow. And, and it's, there's a freedom to that. I've gone, I don't have to have my way mm-hmm. right here. And, and we, can sub, we can be subject to one another instead of arguing about our way. All right? And so he starts out that, it, with that. And then he says, wives, be subject to your husbands. Okay. Wives, submit to his competency. No. Wives submit what, to what then? What is it that I'm, to his leadership? To his role? Wives submit? So, so that's a call for us, right? Like husbands? Yeah. Are we living lives that are submissible? Mm-hmm. Like are we so focused on Jesus and like blazing the path to get there? That our wives can go, yes, that's, I I see that. I think the word that comes out most when I think of like men and what he's asking wives to submit to is being the initiator. Like being initiators. Like how is that, whether you're married or you're single, of learning, how do I initiate, do I take initiative? Do Do I go, like, you know, when I come into, am I going and like, Talking to people and initiating and meeting people. If you're you're even single and you're looking for a date, are you like, like just waiting for her to do something? Instead of like, no, initiate, all right? You know where to go spiritually and be an initiator. And you may marry someone someday that has dwarfed you in the understanding of the Bible, okay? And it's okay to go, you want to know what, here's what our family needs. We, we've got I to, I want this, let's go forward, let's, let's do this, let's teach the kids this. But, but honey, you do some of the teaching too. You, I need you to get out there and do this as well. All right, to where, yeah, you're leading, but then you're engaging the strengths. All right? And that's, call, that's a call for us, right? I mean, for the guys, for the husbands, for the single guys. A- am I being that way? Or am I just kind of passively waiting for my wife to submit to me? Mm-hmm. Right? Have you ever done something before where you were asked to do something and you go, I'll do it, but I won't be happy doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever done that? <laughs> right. Somebody said this before, earlier in communion. They were talking about Jonah. Right. Isn't that Jonah where God is going, no, I want you to go and preach to these people. He's like, first of all, no. <laughs> all right. And then second of all, once God gets him to go and do that, Jonah's like, okay, I'm going to sit here and pout then. And God's like, okay, I'm going to give you a sunburn. I'm going to make this sun just beat on your bald head all day. Right. And it's just you're, I did it, but I'm going to not be happy doing it. All right, we've done. We've all like we we're there, right? I mean, we've all done that at some point. All right? It's interesting. That's not what this is saying to do. He's not. It's not this grudging submission of going. Okay, fine, fine, Joe. You say so. I'll be submissive. You know that kind of thing. Um, but it's the idea of uh, of what? What? What do you think of when when, when you think of The church, as Kiara brought up, in our submission to Jesus, what do you think he expects of us when we find ourselves in a place where he's saying, do this, and we don't want to? Like, what does God expect?
1: Us to take up our cross.
0: Okay. Mm. Deny yourself, okay, which is so weird. Isn't that counterintuitive? Which he's saying, when you deny yourself, then what will happen to your life? You'll find it. Isn't that strange? It's so weird. Where it's like, I don't want to do that. I just want what I want and how I want it and when I want it. And Jesus is going, actually, I've kind of made this really interesting paradigm, which is when you lose your life, you find life. Go, wow. That that may be the takeaway today. Is going, wow, that's been what's wrong with me lately. I haven't been happy or satisfied or whatever, and it's because it's about me and what I want and when I want it, right? And so, what else do you think God intends when we get to a place where, where God asks us to do something, but we don't know if we want to do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't question. Really I was just
2: wondering, <laughs> like, I thought about what Ben said, but I also thought about
3: the different times in the old time. Still, like talk to God about it and when they're
0: frustrated they weren't on board they like worked it out they isn't that
2: crazy they they still, like, denied themselves, but God was still there to
0: listen and to be like an emotional supporter uh, it, it's perfect because I think that goes along with what Liz was talking about too is the the difference between this disjointed kind of relationship and and we can even read that into Ephesians 5 22 and 523 where we see this Okay, he's in charge, and he tells me what to do, and then there's me, and I'm just like, okay, well, if I don't like it, I guess I'm just going to have to go along with it. And there's this really dysfunctional dynamic, except throughout the Old Testament when we learn about God, don't we see a different dynamic? Don't we see a dynamic of God even allowing there to be time? Like, let's, I'm going to ask you to do this, but when you get to a kind of a sticking point, let's talk about it. Right? And it's so interesting that God is so good at, at teaching us to understand Him. Right? And so that must be the dynamic in a marriage relationship, right? For this to work is this idea of, okay, um, that wives submit to your husbands, but in the meantime, when there's a sticking point, are we discussing enough to get an understanding of where we're going? All right. So there, there's this kind of, there's just totally, you know just beautiful relationship with one another, that we're talking through it. It isn't just this, this, I'm telling you what to do, now get it straight, right? So even as we talk about it, hopefully there's a clearer picture of, of where we are. What else are you thinking? What else do you think God expects from us when it gets to a place where we're like, hold on a minute, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to be that way.
2: Yeah. knowing
3: that I really don't
1: know where he has me going anyway. So even though maybe I had an idea of what it should be
0: like really surrendering to as well. To. Yeah. Hey, we sang that song. I mean, it's one of those things where that's one of those oldie songs. We can go, okay, let's just get through that. all to Jesus. I surrender. But that's the message, right? That's the truth of, wow, I need my, it takes a lot for my heart to get there. Of this idea of going, I really am not sure if I, when I was in charge of my life, I messed it up. Like, that's why I became a Christian. <laughs> it's because me being in charge of me ruined everything around me, okay? And then it's kind of like you become a Christian, and it's like, okay, let me go back to being in charge, right? Yeah. I think we disconnect with
2: our why when God to do something, because it's like, you know, God wants me Huge. why am i going on campus to share my faith because somebody did it with me because you can bring somebody to christ why am i you know going to spend time with my wife because god wants me to spend time with him he wants you know he wants us to connect to the reason as to why we're doing it. because that's yeah. where you find your fulfillment and your happiness
0: out yeah of that. there's the why but you want to know what i'm, I'm gonna even i'm gonna take you, because you're perfect in saying that except deeper like paul went deeper because we can find whys like, well, I'm, why do I spend time? Because God told me to. And that's okay, but that's like an immature why. The deeper why is because I long for God. That's the deeper why, okay? Because the why, uh, it, the, if, it, that's okay to be up there, but Paul brought us in Ephesians deeper, which is like, why do I do it? Because I long for God. Because I long to please God, right? Because I love him so deeply. That's deeper. So, so you're exactly right, and, and, it's, and it's, we've got to kind of figure out, okay, where am I? And he's drawing us even more deeply into that. But we've got to know why we're doing what we do. And then, so we could, again, talk on and on about this. But then he says, wives love, or, I mean, husbands love your wives like Jesus loved the church. Easy. It's simple. And we could talk for how long? I mean, both of these. Couldn't we have discussion on this? Like, hold on a minute. Uh, Jesus, okay, but he told us he, Jesus gave himself up. He, he sacrificed himself. He he made the church a radiant bride. Meaning, he there's only one way to make a bride radiant. Is she's got to be freed up to be radiant, yep. not burdened. Okay. And so we could discuss all that, but it's interesting because there's three really troubling commands that are given, and that's really it. Wherever we are in the agreement level, he says, be subject to one another, right? Number one, number two, wives submit to your husband. Husbands love your wives. That's just three, three commands right there. And each and every one of us, we, we've got to look at that and go, okay, Outside of the discussion, outside of all of these, uh, you know, outside of all of this, am I doing this? Okay. Am Am I doing this? Now, here's what I will say. Some of you guys are single. Some of you guys are dating. Okay. Here's what I will give you a word of caution about this. We have brought kind of weirdness into dating because we try to apply this to dating. Like, girlfriends submit to your boyfriend. And it's so weird to me. It is so strange to me when we make that weird, okay? Because we're going, hold on a minute, you're not married to one another in this way. Be subject to one another, all right? But I'm going to say this don't be married before you're married. Amen. That's really important. You're still single. Right and there's a distinction there. I want you to, I want you to consider that, okay, because I think we can go into weirdness, all right, to where we're it's just strange, okay, and it's just I'm gonna leave it at that, okay. It just it just gets a little bit weird. But there's something we're missing about this whole thing. The main thing. All right, the main thing, is that we're all wives, in this passage. We're all wives. That's the point. He says, I said all of that, but really, the second to last verse, he says, I'm talking about Jesus and the church. That's what, so there's one thing that trumps everything. We can become theologically perfect in all the areas we talked about. Yeah. But Jesus says, here's what I'm calling you to. Be a great wife. Right, Joe? And Matt and me and Patrick and Ben. And he's saying, you're wives, we're wives here, okay? And he means what by it? What does he mean by that? After he explained, after he explained what he explained here in, in the eight verses, what, and Paul says, but I'm talking about the church and Jesus. What do you think? What's he telling all of us? Submit, submit to your husband. Submit to your husband. Be subject to your husband. Mm-hmm. Submit to your husband. Right? That's what every one of us, as we walk out of here, if, if the goal is, okay, I'm, as a wife, I'm going to walk out and be more submissive to my husband, we've missed the point. As a husband, I'm going to love my wife. We've missed the point. That's secondary to this idea of, hold on, as. The wife of Jesus here in the church. What must we do to submit to Jesus? What do you think of? What do you think of when you go? Okay, man, I'm. I submit to Jesus. How? Like, what to, comes to mind for you? What do you think? Family goals. Fa- like
2: what? Well, I mean, whenever it talks about imitating God and stuff like that, yeah. or like just. seeking and saving the lost, just having the same purpose and agenda. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of times, you know, and again, I'm making it kind of in worldly terms, like my wife's free to be her, but like we have the same agenda. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? We have the same goal. And there's so many things that like our house to be a home and our kids to be raised in a certain way. Like I have ideas on that. But like once we kind of have like maybe that, vision, that end goal of, hey, we want our boys to be respectful, love God and mm-hmm. be self-disciplined, like she's free to express herself in that way in, mm-hmm. within yeah. our family and we both have the same agenda. Right. And like with God, like, you know, having that Freedom in him, but like to have that same agenda—not to where like I'm free to, to do me and I just get to go home and watch TV and relax and always be about my purpose. But you know, we have our same agenda and goal that we've agreed upon whenever we entered into this marriage contract with our husband, mm-hmm. and that you know we 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 uh, are about that purpose. We
0: want right. We want what God wants, right? Yeah. Is this idea of okay? I want what God wants. All right. And, and what's funny about that, there's two things, and Sean and Michaela brought this up, and I thought it was such a good point, is a lot of times we take that as frantic spirituality. Like, unless I'm busy all the time, I'm not doing what God wants. Mm. All right. And there's some folks that you're not that busy much at all. And it's like, no, come on, go, all right? And then there's others of you, you feel guilty if you haven't had your third quiet time, like that <laughs> night. And you're like, oh, I have to do more, and I didn't reach out to this person today. And, you know, and you got to go, hold on a minute, all right? Because it's interesting, God commanded his people, you, you rest for a day. Like, you go ahead and work, but then you don't work, All right. God who who confined us to 24 hours, God who built a body that requires sleep, okay? And so it's that idea of wanting what he wants in the way that he wants it too, right? In the way, not putting something on him like he's a slave driver and and I'll sleep when I get to heaven mentality, right? No, you'll die earlier, certainly, all right? But he built us in a way, and so it's that idea of going, I want what you want in the way that you want it. Right, um, I want to believe what God believes. Right, as I submit to Him, is I want to believe what He believes, and think the way He thinks, and act the way He acts. Right, I mean, this is about us as a wife submitting. Yeah. Uh,
1: with what Matt's saying, what you were just saying, the whole idea of being content in every circumstance, uh, and like. I just think about Sarah and I's families, our extended families, our parents, and all the mess that's going on there. Yes. And just the idea of being okay with where God has put me right now, and being faithful with the situations and what's right in front of my Mm -hmm. face, not feeling like I've got to create some better circumstance for myself, or some better job, or some better family member, or some whatever, but... God has put me in this situation right this minute to either discipline me or to teach me something or just so he can show that he's faithful in any circumstance, whatever it is. You know, I I think that that is such a huge, hard lesson to understand God in that way. Right.
0: It's huge. Isn't that funny? When you study the life of Paul, quite possibly like the greatest missionary ever, and he spent a lot of time where? In jail. He spent four straight years in jail. All right. And it's that idea of of contentment. I'm where I am. Let me make the most. Remember we read in Ephesians, make the most of every opportunity where I am with my family in the city I am in. Let me make the most of that and be content. God, this is where you want me. God could breathe into existence a different circumstance for us if, that, if, if he wanted to. But he's telling, will you learn what you learn? Will you be content where you are and make the most and do what I want and do what I would do? If I lived in Clemson, are you, are you doing life the way I would do life? That's what Jesus is asking us. Are we doing life the way he does life? Right? Yeah.
3: Um, I made me think of in Revelation 19, verse 6, it says, Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters, and like the, t- the rumbling of loud thunder saying, Hallelujah, because our Lord God, the Almighty, has begun to reign. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has prepared herself. She she was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. And I just think about like that, like Mm -hmm. you're saying, to go out and be, you know, yeah, do what we need to do practically here well. It matters to Mm -hmm. God. But the idea even more than that, just I think we have to figure out what that looks like practically here, but I think we also have to, like, raise our thinking up to it's not like a... A year in school, and you are graded, and it Mm -hmm. represents the record of what you've done here. Yeah, that how we do life here matters, but only because we have hope for the future one. Mm -hmm. And to all I don't know, just to kind of let ourselves be a little bit to to dwell on things like that and think about the way we are living and the way we're submitting in hopes to be the bride part of the bride of Christ, right? We have to. Given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, we can wear that. We can live in a way that looks that way to mm-hmm. Him, but not if we don't decide and and kind of get our thoughts yep. up there yep. a little bit yep. loftier than the practical mm-hmm. day, of day I've got to do this many minutes of sure. this and that. Yep. And but to think about like the things of Revelation that kind of are sometimes like, oh, I right. don't quite understand. Yeah. Uh, oh well, we don't quite understand, but it says that the things that are going to make us presentable are these acts and. The righteousness that comes from Christ and I think about how we used to joke in a way to like kind of help each other to remember and we'd see something that was good or selfless or whatever and we'd say oh that Christ you're wearing looks so good on you like yeah. because it's it's more than just you did a good thing but remembering this isn't you this right. is something you've put on at baptism and you're right. trying to Wearing it every day, and yes. again, almost it kind of makes me emotional. But I think to let ourselves go there, quit being so practical that we miss out on the beauty of what yeah. it is we're trying to do, still, yeah. and what it will result in yeah. when, like you said, when time doesn't exist.
0: Right, That's exactly right.
3: And it will never end. Right.
0: Never. A, a final thought here. Okay, it's interesting. Christ made the church radiant. Think about that. All right, Christ. Right now, wherever you are, he's done everything that's necessary for us to be radiant. It, it's been done already. Like, the, the, it, it, we're in a perfect place, okay? There, there really is no, there should never be a gathering of Christians that has a sense of like pouting or discontent or, or, or lacking love. There never should be a gathering. It doesn't matter if it's something that's sad or tragic. It's, it's still sad and tragic, but there's hope, right? Because Christ has made, could you imagine? I want you to think about this because I want you to think, if everybody sitting here right now was the same as me, would the church look radiant? All right, could you imagine seeing Ben in public and he's dragging Sarah around and she's just like, Could you imagine be like, you're so radiant. <laughs> ben, what are you doing? Because she is so, she is radiant with joy. All right. And we forget about this because we do. It's like we forget. Hold on a minute. Christ made the church radiant. And we're either doing something that's holding it in. Or we're missing something. All right. There's, there's something there to where, hold on, in the gathering of Christians. It's a radiance. And that's very interesting because that comes after he says like the hard stuff. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. He's saying, no, no, in all of that, you're radiant. When was the last time you would describe yourself as radiant? <laughs> right. Because like this morning, by the way, I tell myself <laughs> that in the mirror. Dude, you are radiant. And so's your wife right you're like look how good i am as a husband (laughs) she's so radiant all right but i want you to think about that because we get bogged down in these passages and we forget the main thing which is what kind of wife are we being if all if everyone was like me would people go wow that bride is radiant or would people go why you're married to who J- jesus and you're moping and pouty and like he didn't sing the song i wanted to sing today right and it was, oh, i'm not gonna be happy because he's singing this you know and, and, and we get just so cranky instead of reminding us hold on a minute christ made us radiant mm-hmm. right in our circumstances huh where we are, he made us that way. So let's think about that. This is one of those things, we got to go home and read this, right? we got to study it and meditate on it and process it and talk to one another like, hey, I'm not buying this, why submit to your husbands. I know, you know, it's kind of tricky what they were talking about. There. We've got to talk about this uh, in order to be the wife we're called to be.